Thanks for listening to our podcast. Our title sponsor is Peterson Toyota, a great Ram Nation partner that has served northern Colorado for more than 50 years. In the car business today, inventory is scarce and new cars are harder to come by than ever. But Peterson Toyota has new cars coming in daily and they're supporting their local customers in giving first priority to Fort Collins and surrounding city residents. Now you can buy cars online through Peterson's Smart Path system. You can easily find your vehicle, customize payments, apply for financing, finalize your purchase, and then schedule pickup or delivery. See the new to certified pre-owned vehicles Peterson has to offer and their knowledgeable, friendly staff will help you find the one that is right for you. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please give Peterson Toyota first shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. I'm Joel Canalamessa with Michael Rowe. Uh, we're coming off one of the more disheartening losses that we've had in some time, I would say, Michael. Um, 34-19 loss to Middle Tennessee. We really kind of dominated the game from the get-go. You know, we were all kind of excited to see the Rams get the Jay Norvell era off to a good start at Canvas, and then kickoff happened. Uh, a Middle Tennessee player went down on the kickoff um, with an injury, and it was like a five-minute delay. So we're just I just remember sitting there like, come on, let's go. Let's get this game going. And then first play from scrimmage, Clay Mellon telegraphs a bad pass for a pick six. Um, you know, he did have Torrey Horton open, it looked like, but uh, he stared him down and just didn't make a good pass, missed him. Uh, and that went the other way for, for six, and that really kind of set the tone in a bad way. Um, I think he's going to be just fine as a quarterback. He just needs time and reps. But um, I think our fears about the offensive line appear to be well-founded. Um, that, that, you know, with the two tackles that have been injured in an already thin offensive line, uh, they've struggled mightily. The Rams have given up 16 sacks in two games. I and mean, that's just really, really mind-boggling. Um, Clay, that's no mistake that that's a big reason why Clay Millen has struggled. The offense has struggled, except for, uh, you know, that one stretch in the third quarter where they put up 19 points. Defensively, he gave up 26 points, you know, obviously not counting the pick six the other way. But um, I felt like they kept the game in striking distance. My biggest issue was, you know, that that first drive of the second half, you kick off, you're looking to make a statement and try to get back into the game. And you let them march all the way down the field for a touchdown. You really needed a stop there to set the tone. Instead, you fall down 34, nothing. And it was basically game over. And the defense of also the, the, the secondary also had some pretty key penalties uh, that kept drive drives alive as well. Um, defensive, you know, the defense as a whole just has three sacks in two games. So, there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot, there's some, some flashes of good, but there's a lot of bad. Um, I'm curious to, to know what you saw good and bad. Um, I mean, you kind of hit it on the head there. Not a lot of positives. I mean, we, you can look at some, some individual play Horton Horton had a good sec, great second half. Um, got behind the defense, scored a couple touchdowns. Um, I honestly, I thought he should have caught that interception, that that pick six. Uh, yeah, I was a little behind him. Thought he should have made that play, though. Um, and like you said, I mean, first play from scrimmage, uh, they get points on it. That's not good. And and you just kind of saw almost as a team, but especially from from Clay, head, head down, horrible, horrible body language. Um, pretty disappointed in that, especially 
you know, hearing everything from from Jimmy Kaler and and what people are talking about him with the, the big balls, you know, like BVP. And, and we didn't see that. We didn't see that. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, our everybody's favorite second stringer, uh, Hal, great game, uh, had a pick, amazing pick on that play. Uh, CJ, who'll be joining us in, in a little bit, had a, had a great game, on, you know, on the line. You see, you see some things, a um, lot of room to improve, <laughs> a lot of room. And like you said, like I said earlier, uh, when, when Kevin Lytle was on, I liked our starters on the O-line and, and him and I both, both said, if we have anybody hurt, we're in trouble. Both of our tackles were out and we saw it. We, we, we just saw, you know, you know, averaging eight sacks a game, get averaging, giving up eight sacks a game. You, you're not going to beat anybody. It doesn't matter who you play. You're not going to beat anybody when that's happening. Um, I will say this, the one positive from Saturday is that this team didn't cash it in. You know, you look, you look at the last four years in, in that run where we had 11 wins. When we got down like that, it was, I mean, it was just game over and no one, no one from um, all three teams, special teams, offense, defense, you know, was putting in that work. We didn't see that on Saturday. You know, we did fight back and, and, you know, maybe making that extra point, maybe not missing that field goal, maybe not going for two in that situation, which I didn't, I didn't think was the right move. But we, we make one play. I mean, we're back in that. I mean, we lost by two touchdowns. Um, but if we have 24 points, if it's a 34-24 game going into the fourth quarter, that's a different – that's just different. And, again, that's something that we, we haven't done the last four seasons. And I was I, – that, that is my one positive. The one thing that I was impressed is the team didn't cash it in. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Clay Millen, and and I, I'm, I'll give the guy a break. He was getting his brain speed in all day, but there were a couple times that you notice he was getting a little salty, arms in the air, looking at the sideline, you know, kind of thing where, um, you know, Norvell has basically chalked it up to like, like he's a fiery competitor. He wants to win. And uh, that's fine with me. Uh, he'll mature. And, and uh, as this team gets better as a whole, the offensive line gets better. He, he'll really, he'll really do some good things. I, I, he, he does seem to have those kind of intangibles. And, and um, so we'll see. I, I just think at this point, we're all just going to want to have to, I guess, look for improvement week to week. I don't know if I'm expecting much as far from a win loss standpoint anymore. Um, I just feel like I, I, what I've seen from the offensive line, I don't know how you get that rectified um, in a, in a year, like on the fly here, especially when you've got the injuries yet you, you have left tackle, Brian Crespo out for the season with the knee injury. Dante keys is hurt um, at right tackle. Um, they're obviously going to have to move some guys around to help there. Norvell has said as much. Um, you're probably going to move Nevada transfer, Jacob Gardner back to tackle. That's where he played for Nevada before being asked to play center at CSU. Um, my buddy, I was 
a lot of, a lot of texting going on with a lot of buddies lately, but a uh, good buddy, uh, CSU long snapper, former long snapper, John Tracy was talking about how they'll probably have to go with more one or two tight end sets to start allowing some, for, you know, for the chip on the end. And, you know, I, I think um, the other thing that was interesting from the press conference this week was Norvell said, he's a little disappointed in the preparation of the team in general, um, backups in general, even some starters. And <clears throat> they're basically saying that, you know, it's, it's more than just preparation and practice. It's, you know, coming back after practice, after class, watching film, meeting with coaches, asking questions, you know, he hinted at some of the second string guys who have had to come in are not quite as prepared as they should have been. They're not having that next man up mentality or being, you know, being prepared when that happens. And he's been preaching that you're only one play away from having to go in the game, you know, and, and after the game, he said, look, they're going to get better. Um, but, they're they're going to get better. They're not going to play. It's that simple. Um, and then, um, you know, I, I, during the game in the, in the stands, I heard some calls from fans to bench Millen during the game. I saw it on Twitter. I saw it on Ram nation. Um, and it's easy to feel that way. There was, there was times in the game where it just got so bad. And I thought he was just going to get his head taken off. And um, just from a standpoint of not getting his, confidence crush, not getting him further injury. Um, and maybe just seeing if someone else could maybe come give a spark. There was a time he came in off of a drive and, um, he was shaken up and, and they got, they get, we're getting Giles Pooler, uh, warmed up. And I thought it might not be a bad thing to sit Millen there, but, uh, you know, once Millen showed that he was able to shake it off and go back in, I think it's the right move. I mean, at this point, you got to ride or die with him, um, and keeping him in getting every ounce of game experience you can is I guess the key. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, and, and these are things that he's going to have to grow through, you know, and it doesn't matter what level you are. I mean, you, we can look at the Broncos game on, on Monday night with, with Russell Wilson. Here, here's a guy, probably a future hall of famer who was struggling with, with the noise, with uh, getting the snap off, with having to move in the pocket, the pressure that the Seahawks were doing. This is a guy that's what, 10 plus years in the league, <laughs> but you have to learn that. And, and that's, and that's really is where Millen's at, you know, and, and I, and I, I've said it, it's, it, it's, I think, I think we need to do a better job play calling for him. Uh, trying to, trying to get something where, where he has three or four reads doesn't work. Not with this offensive line. And the offensive and the staff needs to figure this out. Yeah. Um, and, and they need, and they need to call towards that, especially, especially right now where, where teams have, have us on film and they, and they, and they, they have more than just the Michigan game. Everyone's going to be just, you know, going after us, you know, um, offensive line has to get better again. Like you said, I don't know how you do that on the fly. Hopefully they find that that right rotation that we can figure that out. And, and Clay's got to get rid of the ball. You know, it, it really did seem like after he threw that that pick on that first that first uh, throw that he he just kind of seemed gun shy. And again, when same you're thing happened. Clay, same thing had admit, happened at Michigan too. After he threw the pick, he seemed yep. to to hold on to the ball too long because he wanted to make sure it was the right read or the right throw and. Yeah, yep. twice. You know, yeah. and that, and that's and, and and that's again. I mean, so Norvell has said as much after both of those games, after both of our games. So again, it's yeah. something. I mean, it's something that he can improve on. It's something that he's got to work through. Yeah, 
Well, we've seen so many good things from Coach Norvell and his staff um, leading up to the season. I mean, the culture change that he's trying to instill, the connection with former players is huge. Connection within the community has been really big because there was such a disconnect uh, with fans in the in this this program and people basically wanting to not come back. Uh, the style of play I think he wants to bring. They're not there yet uh, with, the, with the Ford Air Raid. Uh, plus, he's a quality human being. He's easy to root for. And he's shown in the past he knows how to win, right? He knows football. He hasn't forgotten how to coach. Less than 10 months ago, he came into Canvas and beat us 52 to 10. So um, I, I just think that <laughs> I, I get so annoyed. I, I see the handful of people here on Ram nation. I see the people on social media jumping off the bandwagon after two games and really just, I, there, there was just some ridiculous comments. I saw um, bring back a Dazio kind of stuff. Like, are you kidding me? Um, he needs time to build the program. I, I'm super thin on patience as well. I and mean, it's been so long since we've been had anything to cheer for you, you, you gear up for game day, you get there. And, and the highlight of the day is the tailgating and just hanging out with the boys that the, uh, the actual game has just been such a letdown every weekend, but um, you just have to realize where the program is at this point and, and there's a ways to go. So I, I will say though, um, there are a few things that I'm a little shocked by. I'm mean, just some of the in-game decision-making for one. Um, I thought that the few of the decisions, and we talked about this last week, but a few of the decisions against Michigan where they went for on fourth down, I didn't think, I mean, maybe a couple of those made some sense there, um, but I, I really didn't like a couple of them for sure. Uh, and then this past Saturday, running the ball three straight times inside the 10 yard line. That just was weird. Um, going forward on uh, going for two when you're down 34, 19, when a, when a point after it cuts it to 14, I know camper missed one, maybe that factored into it, but I mean, why, why do you go for two there to cut it to 13 instead of just 14? So that was just weird. And then there's just been overall hesitancy to air it out. Um, probably some of that is, you know, they, I don't think he trusts the O-line yet to give Millen time and and they're probably trying to mitigate some sacks and in disasters, turnovers. Um, but there's some player personnel questions that are strange, you know, as you as you mentioned earlier on, Jack Howell not starting is strange. I mean, granted, it's not who starts necessarily that matters. He gets plenty of playing time. But in my opinion, he's probably the best player on defense, just always around the ball. He's a playmaker. He's um, he makes things happen. So and then and then this is kind of the big story of the week is, you know, not giving Dante Wright a legit role. And, um, you know, he enters the, the transfer port- portal yesterday, Tuesday. And, you know, this is a guy whether or not he was beat out by some of the incoming or the younger players, I don't know. But this is a good teammate. He loves CSU. He's loyal to CSU. His family loved it here, right? And he stayed on here through two coaching changes uh, after being recruited by Bobo. And I just felt like a guy like that deserves to be kind of a leader, deserves a chance, Um you know, and, and we've, we've thought, tried to rationalize this, you know, the coaches said that they wanted receivers who have size. Um, he obviously does not. <laughs> um, they want lengthy receivers, but um, you know, in the last, in the last week and a couple of the press conferences, Norvell has made comments about preparation and effort and uh, some of the holdover players, especially not understanding that they need to take their preparation to another level. And you, you just wonder if maybe after hearing all this, that in the, and uh, where Dante has fallen on the depth chart is maybe some of that pertained to Dante in their minds. Um, you know, he did say in Monday's press conference, he specifically mentioned Dante and he said others too, but they need to develop better chemistry with Millen like Horton has. Um, and who, by the way, Horton has just been 
largely uncoverable. Nobody can stop him. But um, even in the Michigan game, he was open. Clay couldn't find him. But um, I just think that if this staff truly feels it has, I just think that the staff must feel like they have better options than Dante. And But it's just, it's unfortunate to me that a guy like him with that talent and what he's done over the years, uh, former All-American, can't find a role in this offense. You know, you know, Joel, you, you and I both graduated in the, in the late nineties. We've worked since then. We've all had like changes in leadership at where we work at. You know, you think about all the different managers, bosses you've ever had. I think about the different principals I've ever had, you know, change happens when, when there's a change in leadership, things happen. Things happen that we don't know why we're not sure why you get a coaching change and either things kind of someone might fall through the cracks you don't really know if they're adapting well maybe they're just not understanding it we don't know and and I think it's tough to speculate it's tough if it's tough on Dante because you don't want to say like well is he not understanding it is he not working hard enough you but you also don't want to say you know and I've seen a lot of this you know Coach Norvell's playing favorites. You know, he, he he's only playing the Nevada guys. Well, Ty McCulloch is, is starting, you know, a, a CSU guy. We don't know exactly, you know, what's going on with this. I'll say two things about this situation. One, this is why I love the transfer portal. Uh, you know, you go back to when Sonny came in for, for Earl Bruce. You know, I had a couple of friends that, that had huge roles when they were playing for Earl. And then when Sonny came over, they didn't. Uh, you know, you look at Leonis Brown was, was the feature back as a sophomore, goes into LSU, throws up 200 yards against them, has 1,000 yards on that season. And then 1993 comes, and he's splitting carries with E.J. Watson, somebody who new to the program, one of Sonny's guys that he brought in. 1994, EJ was the feature back and Leonis had to take a step back. You know, uh, my good friend Vincent Booker was starting, was getting a lot of playing time under Earl. 1993 comes, Strode and, and Ray Jackson are on there. He got moved to kind of a nickel. Those guys were stuck. They had to stay. It wasn't like today where you could transfer out and, and find immediate playing time. If you left, you you lost a year. You know, and and if you went in conference, you lost a year of eligibility. So this right here is why I love the transfer portal, because Dante's not going to be penalized by making a choice that's best for him. And so that's why I love this. The second thing that I want to bring up, and it's, and again, it, it, it is what it is with Dante leaving. Um, I'm not going to say it's it's Norvell's fault. I'm not going to say it's it's Dante's fault. The thing that I don't like is that we were told from day one, this is why I'm going to carry 10 receivers. This is why I'm going to have five quarterbacks because all we're going to do is pass, 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 pass. And we're going to need everybody. We're going to need all these receivers on the play. We're seeing three receivers every game, both games. We've only seen Ty and I, and I know other, other guys have came in, but, Everything goes around Ty, Stovall, and Horton. You just brought up Hal 
on defense, we're getting rotations. You see it. We get we we have wholesale changes all the time. New D line comes in. New uh, DBs are coming in. We're we're working everybody in on offense. We're not getting that, and and that was one of the things that we were promised that we were told. Yeah, we're going to be running all these multiple sets. We're going to be utilizing everybody, and we're not seeing that. You know, we got these three absolute stud, true freshmen. These these guys are men, and we haven't seen them on the field. And I don't get that. I don't get that. Dante, again, we don't know the situation, but why is he? Why isn't he getting something? You know, that's what upsets me the most. Again, Dante, good luck. You know, wish it would have worked out here. I hope it works out wherever you go. It's not his fault. It's, I don't, and I don't blame Norvell either. But I do want to start seeing, you know, something that we were promised. Well, uh, along those lines, uh, one, one other departure, Caden Camper has left the team as well. Um, I wonder if that is just a, uh, an issue of him losing his job. He missed an extra point, uh, missed a field goal. Uh, did he miss a field goal too? Yeah, he did miss a field goal as well. Um, so you wonder about that. I also saw some interaction with him and fans. Uh, it's not the first time, but he uh, – and, and granted, never an excuse for a fan to ever um, – engage with a player like that, but he sought out some of it, um, telling fans to F off, flipping the bird, going over the OCR and getting into it with people. It was not pretty. I felt bad because, um, it was probably one comment somewhere that set him off. And then he was just listening for it. And as soon as he heard something, he would just go after people. And it was, he's clearly not into the game, but anyway, the, it doesn't matter anymore. He's gone. Um, guys, now we have to travel to Washington state. The game originally, when you look at the schedule, thought maybe we could hang in there, but they're going to be coming off a surprising 17-14 upset at Wisconsin. Um, and while I think the Rams will keep improving, I'm really concerned that the O-line situation is so dire that we won't have a lot of solutions during the season to fix it, as we mentioned. And, and we're looking at a pretty decent chance at 0-3 right here. Um, that probably means you're going to have a really tall hill to climb if you want to think about a bowl game seems even silly to talk about a bowl at this at this point but um losing at home to middle tennessee really hurt that those chances um you'd have to win you know obviously you're gonna have to beat sac state at home and win five of eight conference games is that possible um the league looks really down this year some pretty ugly performances by our league but um yeah just again with this o-line unless things really turn around and they find a formula here and find some guys that can plug holes. I don't feel great about our chances, but uh, before uh, we're going to bring in CJ on here uh, in a few minutes, but before that, Mike, just want you to touch on the new tailgating setup, which was, I thought was pretty awesome. Moved over to the intramural fields um, there along Hughes way, right by the little bathroom complex there. And it was cool because it's right where, the stage is set up for the live music. Um, Ramtown is just across the way. And um, the the Ram walk where the players get off the bus starts right there. Um, I thought it was awesome. You know, granted, it sucked. We had uh, 40 degree temperatures. We had rain. I think that kept a lot of people away. It took away from some of the atmosphere that we probably would have had. Uh, oh, I know we would have had. Um, but um, I thought it was I thought it was pretty exceptional other than that. Yeah, no, it, it was it was a great time. It, uh, cool to see a lot of people that we haven't seen, you know, basically since last year or 
even since 2019, those that are starting to come back out uh, after after the COVID, you know. But yeah, we uh, the really cool thing is Ramwalk literally starts right outside, right next to our tailgate, right next to our uh, to our spot. The bus comes in, they park right next to us. The kids get out, the players get out. The band is lined up right next to us. And so they're playing this, they're playing all the fight song and everything. And yeah. the guys are coming out, you know, Coach Norvell's right there. You, you, you just see everything. And, and it's such a it's such a cool feeling. And it's something again, don't give up. Like Ram fans, just don't give up. Like it, this is gonna turn. And so that was awesome. The band, uh, whoever the the musical band, not our marching band, they were awesome. So we're right there next to their stage, just hearing them in the background. That was so cool. The Coors Light, the alumni uh, Coors Light tailgate is right next to us too. So it was cool walking over there, saying hi to people in the alumni association, people coming over and saying hi to us. You were right down a few spots from us, so bouncing back and forth and then going down and, and seeing people that have already been on Hughes Way for a long time and, yep. and seeing a lot of our friends there. So, it, I mean, it was great. It was a great setup. Uh, nah, the nacho bar was was on point, too. <laughs> That's, it was good, man. The buffalo chicken on the nachos was money. Yep. Uh, and, pulled pork. And if you haven't. If you didn't make it with the kettle chips, the kettle potato chips, you're missing out. I did. I did uh, miss that. I went regular tortillas. Oh man, it it is it is a next level. I had jalapeno uh, kettle chips. Um, yeah, it's next level. Next week we're gonna do a, a a pizza bar. Make build your own pizza. We got a pizza oven that knocks that stuff out in about a minute, minute and a half, and that's awesome yeah that's what we'll be doing uh doing next week and and we're figuring out the tv situation Again, <laughs> that's good we gotta have TV. joe parker joe parker open up the wi-fi so that people could use roku and and fire sticks and apple tv we this tap, thing right we gotta here. tap into that we gotta tap into that uh dorm right next to the the honors dorm whatever that is but right. uh, uh so washington state kickoff set for 3 p.m. Mountain, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Pac-12 network. Uh, I know you're going to Pullman. You want to tell everyone uh, what the get-together situation is, tailgating spot and all that, and the night before stuff? Yeah, we'll be doing the same kind of the same thing that we did in Ann Arbor. I have a brewery lined up, um, another round brewery rated 4.9. I mean, just looking at their bear menu, I mean, look phenomenal. And it is a nine-minute walk to the lumber yard where the official alumni association um, get together will be. So I'll be at I'll be at another round from three to five, and then just like again, just like we did in in A two, we'll all just walk and and go to the lumber yard. As far as game day, again, this is the fall of, of keeping it a little bit easier. I signed up for the alumni thing. Just go over to that area. I have no idea. But we did have a, a Wazoo fan come to our message board, said walk around the RV lots. That everybody's super friendly. Says their drink of choice is Fireball. So <laughs> if you're trying to donate, I guess, to a tailgate, bring Fireball. There you go. I will be drinking. I, I looked up what's, what is what is the uh, 
the cheap beer that they drink in in uh in washington it was it was uh the bat blue light in michigan that's what we were drinking so i oh, looked on this. it's it's rainier rainier beer so those of you that are going get your rainier beer because uh yeah that's what we'll be drinking uh drinking come saturday awesome a lot of pizza pipeline oh i can't pizza pipeline yep there's a location in pullman huh yep all right, let's take a quick second and talk about Ginger and Baker. This is a fantastic place with two great restaurants, the Cash and the Cafe. They also have a coffee shop, bakery, event spaces, market, and a teaching kitchen, which, by the way, is full of fun classes for the month of September, including the Sweet Pie Therapy class, Four Ways to Make Noki, Classic Pot Pie class, Pasta from Scratch, and the Yoga and Food Experience. Also, this Sunday, September 18th, from 3 to 5 p.m., Bring your dog for Dogtoberfest on the North Patio. Take a stroll through the Dog Makers Market, enjoy Yappy Hour beer specials, and take a photo of you and your pup dressed in your Oktoberfest best. It's free and you'll love it. Support our friend Ginger Graham and treat yourself to a world-class experience at Ginger and Baker. We're going to bring in CJ Oniechi, Senior Defensive End, and Ram Nation's first ever NIL partner. Which, by the way, we have 30 total donors now uh, for our first month. We've raised $2,250. A lot of those people are going to be rolling over monthly donations. So that's going to keep growing each month. Uh, So I think we're going to get to the point where we're going to be able to have a basketball partner as well as hopefully another, uh, someone from another sport as well, maybe a women's sport. So it'd be really awesome to do that. We've already made our first payment to him for the work he's done already. So uh, he's super excited about that. CJ's already done a couple Q&A style recaps from our first two games. He posted on Ram Nation called CJ's Endpoints. He's a defensive end, get it? Uh, and he will join us a couple times on our podcast a month as well. So uh, CJ is a communication and technology major as part of the journalism and media communications department, which makes him a really good fit for us and what we're trying to do. And <laughs> Uh, He grew up in New Jersey, attended West Orange High School before spending five seasons at Rutgers from uh, 2017 to 21, um, where he had 87 tackles, uh, five sacks, uh, and 15 starts, I think it is. And uh, he earned academic All-Big Ten honors last year as well. So uh, he has started both games for CSU so far this year. He's got 14 total tackles as a defensive end. It's by far the most on any of, of any of the defensive linemen. <laughs> like most of our tackles are in the secondary, <laughs> which is not great. But uh, but he has been a real bright spot there on the defensive line. Uh, one of those tackles for a loss also has a QB hurry. All right, CJ, thank you for joining us. Fresh from the dentist office. Proud to have you on board with Ram Nation, by the way, bud. And Hope you've enjoyed the relationship so far. I, I know that we have, and our fans have really enjoyed seeing your write-ups, and and they'll love uh, getting to know you here through our podcast, hopefully a couple times a month, and and uh, for all the other stuff that you'll be doing with us. And we're really just proud that uh, we were able to kind of pull this off, and you were just the perfect guy for it. Uh, really wanted to have a you know a journalism major, communication major, someone that would get something out of it, and um, we're just loving what you're doing so far. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity for real. I'll start with a question um, that I saw. Actually, this was a comment that one of our uh, Ram Nation posters he commented on your Q&A feature, your CJ's mm-hmm. endpoints. Um, he basically just asked um, what led you to CSU as a fifth year uh, senior and uh, especially coming from the East Coast. What, how, what brought you here? 
Well, um, my uh, my experience at Rutgers University, um, it was a little different. I've went through two head coaches. You know, we didn't, we weren't very good for my first couple of years. But um, you know, I was a, I felt like I was a big part of the um, the team, and I played well there. It was just the new coach. We didn't really get along very well for reasons that were unknown to me. So that's what uh, you know led me to enter the transfer portal. Um, and then when I entered the portal, uh, I got introduced to Coach Norvell and his staff. And, you know, just the first conversation, it was just like, you know, I need to be with these guys. Like these guys were everything I felt like I was lacking at my old school. I felt like they were, you know, um, offering and providing for me. The defense, they, they trusted me to be the player I am, um, which was something big that I really didn't uh, get at my old school as well. And I've been so happy ever since I've I've came here. I'm so happy with my decision. So yeah, that's really what led me out here. I, I never even thought I'd come to this side of the country. You know, I never <laughs> Colorado, the first thing in my head, I'm just like, I, what what is that? But you know, being here, it's like I love it. I fell in love with uh being out here and can't wait to just finish off the season and do what do what we gotta do. I imagine it's a little bit different from Jersey. I mean, did you grow up in Jersey? You went to high school obviously there and college there. Did you grow up there your whole life? Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm Jersey born and raised. So I think that was a part of it too. I felt like some some part of me wanted to like go out and explore the world and see other things other than Jersey. Um so I'm happy I got the opportunity too. So what um has there been any cultural shock or differences here? How has Fort Collins and CSU been for you? I I don't see it as maybe like a cultural shock. I mean, I I just go through every new place and just like and like you know, see it how it is and, and just try to embrace the culture that's already set here. I feel like, honestly, it's pretty similar to Jersey in certain ways, and, and especially the weather. Like, winter, it gets cold. It gets really cold and snows. But in the summer, it's really hot. And the people here are just so nice, which is different from, like, the East Coast. Like, people are kind of people kind of disrespectful out there. So it's, it's uh, definitely <laughs> a change of uh, pace. So – so I, I, I can't remember if I read it somewhere or heard you talking about it, but um, you had mentioned the facilities at CSU and how they compare to, you know, your old school and, and Big Ten schools. What can you tell us about your perspective on, on how CSU compares to a Rutgers or Big Ten schools or other, you know, P5 schools out there from what they have from a facility standpoint, I guess? And, and what would yeah. you tell prospects that might be wanting to come to CSU on related to that i would definitely say csu facilities are second to none i mean i've been impressed like honestly i didn't take a visit to come out here like a uh, coach kind of showed me the facilities on facetime and that was really all i needed it was just it's kind of just breathtaking as soon as you see it it's everything that you could need in a program everything that you could need in the strength strength wise you know your weight room your training room you got all the state-of-the-art stuff you know and our stadium is just top tier. Like it, um, you know, it's not a big house that fits a hundred thousand people, but it's like, it's perfect. I honestly, I don't even know how to explain it. It just, it feels homey. And it also is like somewhere where people could, uh, a team, another opponent could come in and feel intimidated by the people that's there. So, and that, and then you get to stuff like our players lounge and stuff like our locker room is, is stuff that I didn't have to, exp- I didn't get the chance to experience at my old school. And now they, I think they're uh, up in the ante over there, but I mean, here it's already here. Like, and 
that's one thing I appreciated, especially when I when I came out here. So it's definitely second to none. Yeah. All the ingredients are there for winning, right? Definitely. We got all the ingredients here. We just need the prospects and good and good players to, to join this family. And that's really all we need. CJ, Mike, again, uh, again, thank you so much for being on with us. Uh, definitely appreciate it. Love, love hearing from you. Sure. Uh, with COVID, kind of don't know where anybody is as far as eligibility. So is this mm-hmm. your final season or do you have another year after this? So this, this is my last season of playing. This is my last season of eligibility, yeah. All right. So as a journalism major, what led you to uh, go into that field? And how are classes going so far here at CSU? Uh, classes are going smooth. In my undergrad, I did kind of something that was different. At my old school, I did uh, I did information technology, which is like the, uh, you know, the computers and stuff like that. That's just something I was passionate about. But I felt for, since I got this opportunity in my sixth year to study something different, I wanted to jump into this uh, area that I was passionate about and, and wanted it, uh, you know, just to, get the get that experience for my last my last semester here so um definitely i definitely love it so far what do you envision doing professionally after after football and school are over oh well i got a lot of things i i envision i mean of course nfl is uh is the dream and we're we're um we're striving for that but after that i mean i would love to be like involved in the game and involved in sports so that's where journalism comes in and i want to be like maybe a broadcaster or something. Cause I've had, um, even though it's not that too much related, I've had history in like acting and stuff like that. So I wanted to, you know, I'm a screen type of guy. Like, I feel like I'm good on the screen. So, you know, that was something that I'd be very interested in after football is over. Cool. We'll have to, we'll have to figure out ways to use you on, on camera then. Definitely. <laughs> so um, you, you mentioned um, how, when you were being recruited, the connection you immediately felt with coach Novell and staff, tell us, about your relationship and, and what kind of guys Coach Norvell is, your defensive coordinator, Freddie Banks, who's new to the program, um, Buddha Williams is new to the program, obviously all three of them. So what what are these kind of – what are these guys like and what is it like to play for them? Man, I, I love playing for these guys. When I start on – I'm going to start with defense. Um, Coach Banks, uh, i just never been around a D.C. like him. Like I've probably had – he's my fourth D.C. I've had in college. And I could honestly say he is the best one I've, I've been around. He expects – he has a high standard for what he expects from us, which is good. But he also, like, he holds us to that standard and he and he wants us to be good. Like, he wants us to be great. It's not, it's not really just, you know, he's trying to just, you know, get a check or, like, you know, this is – this is a big-time job for him because he, come, he is coming from Montana State. But he's not – he doesn't, like, see it as that or approach it the game like that. He kind of is um, – you know, he just wants the best for his players and he uses our strengths in the defense. And he does and he doesn't like, you know, want us to, you know, wait a waiver or like hold ourselves back. He wants us to just keep going and, and do what we couldn't do to make plays. And that's something I, I just never been around. And Coach Buddha, my D-line coach, he's taught me so much in just a short amount of time. I'm just so thankful for it because I like my game. I felt like I've reached like a stagnant point. Like I didn't know what I could improve on or what I could do better. But he, he just hounds me every day to, to get better in certain things like my pass rush, certain things like certain techniques we run on, especially on tight ends and stuff like that. So I could feel myself getting way better, you know, day by day. 
So four defensive coordinators in four years is, is that, yeah. um, or I guess five years, but is that, I, I suppose it's not like offense where you're, you're learning a whole entire playbook, but it's still, you're learning new schemes and uh, different responsibilities. I would assume. What has that been like? Um, you know, when I, when I'm in a, a scheme, you know, I, I tend to buy in fully. So, I mean, it wasn't really hard, you know, transitioning to this scheme. And it's also, and it is different because this is the first year I'm like, in a three-point stance, I usually am a was an outside linebacker who's in a two-point stance, you know. But I know, but our staff made it so much easier to buy into the system because, you know, he he proved that it works, and we and we even when we uh, show glimpses of it in the games, we see that it works. So you know, it's it's easy for me to just buy in and fully like dive into it, and I appreciate them for you know choosing me for to be in this scheme and to and to uh, perform in it, so. So it, it definitely hasn't been the start that any of us have wanted. Um, but when, you, when you're going over film over the last two weeks, you know, what are some of those areas that you see that we can improve on going forward? Well, as a defense, well, I can't really, you know, attest to the offense, you know, they're doing the best they can with the, what they could do. As a defense, I feel like, I think I spoke about this earlier, is we can't depend on like our offense or or other external factors to to make us play good. At the end of the day, our de- the defensive role is to get out there and stop them, no matter where where position they are on the field, no matter what. So, I think if we kind of just approach it like that, instead of you know kind of feeling sorry, like you know, woe is me, like we're not in the best position that we are, but it doesn't really matter. We just have to play our defense, and our defense is built to stop any type of offense. So I think, you know, once we fully buy into that system, the, the sky's the limit for us. What are, what are the positives that you are seeing uh, on the defensive side on film? Uh, I definitely see um, that hustle to the ball I talked about. I feel like we've, um, we've found that in practice, especially in these first couple of weeks. I feel like, especially as a D-line, we're trying to, you know, run out the stacks after passes, you know, on deep runs, don't, you know, just sit and stay in the back and just, you know, like just jog to the line of scrimmage. You want to, you want to run to the ball wherever it is. You know, it's good for us. You know, if we have dreams and aspirations to go to the NFL, you know, coaches are always looking at our effort and everything, but it also helps uh, turn those, you know, big explosive plays that stops them from being touchdowns, which is important. And um, I think that's something that we've been working on. And I think is, uh, has helped us a lot in these last couple of weeks. And I also just see the camaraderie. I feel like uh, on defense, it's almost like a brotherhood. Like when we when we come on the sideline, you know, we're, we're talking things through. We're talking about what we see out there. And it's like even when we make mistakes, it's not like we're, you know, ripping on each other. We're trying to, like, get the best information out there so we could be successful on the next drive. So I think that's important for a defense to have, and I, I'm glad that we're doing that. Love hearing that. You know, that's just one of those things that – as a fan, you know, from the stands, from, from our, from our spot, we don't see that. And so yeah. love, love hearing it from you. And again, I'm excited about, uh, I, you know, I've been excited about the things that I've seen over the last two weeks defensively. I thought your third down, your third down uh, defense, again, especially against Michigan was, was lights out. Your, our red zone yeah. defense was lights out. So, you know, we got 10 games. I, I see it. Yes, sir. Turning this around. Yes, sir. That's our that's our goal.
Hey, CG. So one of the areas that um, has been a struggle and it, it, it's understandable because the uh, they were thin going into the season. We've had a couple key injuries there too, but the offensive line has struggled a little bit. You go mm-hmm. against that offensive line in practice. So how do I say this? <laughs> I don't want you to you have to answer why is your offensive line not playing well, but are you <laughs> seeing signs that there can be improvement on the offensive line as the season goes? And and what are some of the things that, that maybe you're exploiting in practice um, of things that aren't going real well for the offensive line? One thing that was, you know, that's clear from the beginning is that our offensive line, literally, I think every single person has was not here at CSU, you know, this like from last year. I think our the only person that was here was our left tackle, uh, Brian Crespo. So, you know, and, and other people, they weren't even you're not even all from like Nevada or something like one is from Nevada. One is from Tulsa. One is from, you know, A&T. So it's like we're getting like it's a whole it's five different people on that line. Like they, they haven't, you know, built that brotherhood, you know, they haven't gone out to eat, you know, as a, you know, they haven't, you know, it's been, it's been a short while, like since we've all been together and, you know, been practicing together. And I, I see that it's building though. They're building that chemistry. You know, we always go at it at practice. You know, that's probably one of the best parts of practice, the inside run period. Cause we're, you were always at each other's necks. Um, and one-on-ones is too. Um, and that's just one thing that I feel like is the reason why certain things, you know, haven't been going the best on O-line. I feel like it takes a little bit of time to build that, you know, that kind of cohesiveness, unity. Yeah, cohesiveness to to like for little things, you know, like when you're running back is running and like he's still up, but he's running. It takes like it takes a different kind of mindset for your like for your O-line to be like, you know, let me push the pile. Let me push him forward and that's something I think that coach best is uh trying to instill in them now and I guess we can see it in practice because that's honestly I mean for the past two games we know that they have been a you know one of the weaklings for our team so they've been they've been turning it up each week and I, I could definitely attest to that that they're they're definitely giving all they got especially with the injuries that we have so you know I, I feel like progressively we're going to get better our O-line our O-line play I'm not I'm not scared about it you know I'm just I know they'd be putting the work in to get there. So I'm definitely optimistic. Going into the season, cohesiveness and unity and, and playing together uh, was one of the things that we all wondered about. How is that going to work with so you know 59 new people on the roster and yeah. uh, a lot of young guys stepping into playing roles for the first time? The other piece of that is when you've got so much so many new faces and guys coming in from other schools like yourself um, and young guys in key roles is leadership. How are you seeing guys um, step up as leaders or is that still a work in progress? I'm definitely seeing guys step up in, uh, in leadership. The people that have been here, you know, they've, they've been through like a tough time too. Like uh, I know some guys who have been through, was it two head coaches? Now this is a third head coach. So, and they're still like, they're still have that vision. They have that mindset that they know, you know, what it takes you know, to be a good program, you know what I'm saying? And, and we're even getting some of the leaders from other schools who I've seen, who I've seen like, you know, a winning culture and have seen stuff like that, that could instill their own stuff into, into the mix. And I try to, I try to impart my wisdom in any way I can, you know what I'm saying? Cause I've, you know, I'm an old head as well. So I, I've been through, I've been through a lot in my college football experience. So I know what it takes to, you know, to become the team we want. And even when we're starting off slow, I've seen, plenty of teams come back, you know, and have a successful season. 
And that's something I've just been harping on, harping on, harping on. I feel like our leadership council has been harping on that as well because we don't want the, the younger guys especially to lose hope and feel like, you know, this is just one of the seasons that we're going to wait and just like, you know, next year we'll, we'll do it, next year we'll do it. No, why can't it be this year? Why not now? You know, we could just turn it around, and that's the mindset that we have on the team, and I think that's what we're going through week by week. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the new faces and, and the younger players. Do you think that for some of those younger guys, they kind of took that Michigan game into last week as well and, and, and just kind of set them back? Is, is, is that something that we can hopefully build on and, and say, we can't do this? It's, it's like Coach Norvell said, you got 24 hours to celebrate. You got 24 hours to be mad. You got 24 hours to be sad. And then it's over. Yes, sir. I definitely agree with that. I think because um, there were spurts that we did play well at Michigan and then just going into Middle Tennessee, we were like, okay, we played well against or we played certain snaps well against, you know, a top 10 NCAA team, you know, power five team. We don't have anything to worry about when we go against Middle Tennessee. We just lost to a, you know, a school that just came out of the, you know, the FCS and I think that's what was – I think that a little bit is what, you know, led to the outcome of what that game. I think we slept on them, but we don't – I feel like we don't have the leeway to sleep on anybody. You know, we're a new team. We're coming out into this – into this, like, we're a new team coming out. and We have to show, you know, how we're built. We have to show how tough we are. We have to show, you know, that we can make plays. And that's something that I think we kind of got that, you know – I don't know what the word is. I'm trying like that wake up call, you know, after middle Tennessee, we were like, okay, you know, we can't, we got to fight every game. It's not going to be, nothing's going to be handed to us. And, you know, that's the mindset. I think that we're approaching even this week as we go into Washington state, you know, we're, we're going into every game. Like, you know, we have stuff to prove. So let's do that and not worry about other external factors. So I, I know I asked you this in the, um, in the uh, Q&A on the website, but um, tell us about the first experience in having a game at Canvas for you and, and just being in front of a crowd and, and real game experience. Yeah, I loved it. And um, so as, as one thing I, I, uh, I said to myself this year is that I'm going to embrace everything this year. I'm going to take it all in. You know, this is the last year that I get to play college football, so I'm taking everything in. And, like, that first game was just it – was, it was great. I feel like even from, you know, where we, uh, the hotel and uh, how we bonded as a team, like before the game, you know, and then getting out there doing the Ram walk, I felt was uh, just great. You saw all the fans out there. My parents came all the way from Jersey and they loved it. They loved Colorado. They, they were like, they'd never seen anything like this either. So, you know, I took them to horse tooth and everything and, you know, they loved their experience here. Um, so I love that. I love the experience. I love the environment. I love running out that tunnel, you know, and seeing all the fans there. I wish it was a better, you know, better weather because I, I know a lot of people definitely didn't show up because, you know, it, it, was, it was cold. It was a little wet out there, but it, it cleared up during the game, which was good. And we saw definitely uh, more of a turnout. But, um, yeah, I loved it. I love the game day experience and I can't wait to our next home game. You mentioned the Ram walk um, and I've talked to some former players who've partaken in that. I just think this is such a cool tradition and um, just the gesture that uh, the football program coach Norvell has instilled here um, to tie in that connection with former players. What, what is that? 
that event or that uh, that mean to you uh, to be able to connect with former players like that? Sorry about this horn. <laughs> um, the train, the train. <laughs> <laughs> but that me it means so much to me actually because um, you know that's something like we didn't I didn't get a lot of at my previous school. You know, a lot of people didn't really come back, and when they did, it was kind of like, you know, they were like bigger than everybody else they kind of didn't really want to talk to anybody they kind of just showed up and like you know signed autographs and stuff I feel like having the players come back and you know talk to us and still us instilling us wisdom is like is more than we could even ask for it's just like a, a great experience and doing that ram walk before the uh before the game you know holding hands locking each other's arms walking the field I think that's a great tradition and I just love being a part of you know what I'm saying as um it's, it's bigger than football at the end of the day. That's what I, that's that's kind of what that means to me. That it's, it's bigger than football. It's about the brotherhood that we share. It's about these times that we're really never going to get back again in life. Like these are the moments that we're going to cherish forever. So I'm glad that we're doing that. I'm glad to be a part of it. That is cool. I was going to say the game day uh, Ram walk where the bus where the bus stops and you get yeah, that's out. Cool that's cool too. That's that's uh that's our RV right there. I, oh, right I actually there? saw okay. CJ right yeah. when he came off the bus and uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> him, so that was cool. Yep, yeah. Yeah. Well, last question for me. Um, and I know you answered this on the website also, but um, look, I mean, Ram fans have had a beat down of, you know, year after year, we just had some rough seasons. And I think that just has, has created a lot of impatience. And so, you know, you see on social media, there's, and it's not everybody, most people understand this is a rebuild and, and there's some, you know, we're just at the infancy stages, but you know, there's people that, that are hanging their head a little bit about the, the 0-2 start and uh, mm-hmm. where we're at. Uh, but so what would you tell those downtrodden fans if you were speaking to them on, on their dismay so far? I would just tell them to keep the faith. You know, like I said, uh, we need our fans. Like, we need, we need that stadium packed every week so that we can play at the best of our ability. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, we definitely did not start off how we wanted to, but I've known that the fans have been behind us, you know. You know, as soon as I came out, I was bombarded by fans, you know, reaching out, saying how they were happy I was joining the team and everything, and I love that. And I just want them to keep that energy as we go on through the season, you know what I'm saying? This is a, it's a, new, it's a new coach, it's a new team. You know what I'm saying? We're building, we're, we're building our identity right now. And, you know, I feel like what we're instilling in our players is, is different than a lot of programs are doing, which is a great thing. And then it's finally, it's going to click eventually. It's just, we need that, we need that, you know, support from our fans, support from our, you know, Coloradians. And then I know it's going to click eventually. So just keep that faith. Love it. Love hearing it. Definitely. All right. So, uh, CJ, I'm a bit of a foodie, and every time we get a new guest on here, I I, I talk food. I, I I mean, I love it. So you're from West mm-hmm. Orange, New Jersey. New Jersey is known for their hoagies, hot dogs, and pork rolls. So if I'm visiting your area, where should I go for the best hoagie, the best dog, and the best roll? All right. So one thing, one thing, I'm a big foodie myself. I don't know if you know this. I actually have my own cooking show on Instagram. Like, I'm a big, and I actually want to start doing, you know, like, going to places and finding the best spots. Love so it. Pork, yeah, so pork roll 
in Jersey, I don't know. There's a debate between Taylor Ham and Port Roll. We don't know. Like, we call it different things. So, in West Orange, you got to go to Bagel Box. Bagel Box is the best Taylor Ham, has the best, or Pork Roll, you know, whatever you call it. It's, you know, stamped in West Orange. Everyone from, you know, Essex County and Jersey, that's where they go. Hoagies, I'm, I want to think. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'll probably have to get to, back to you on that one. Right. Um, yeah, I'll let you know more about that one. And then the last one, well, you said uh, the dogs, the Italian the dogs, dogs, right? Yeah, there's actually um, there's a um, there's a bodega that they serve like Italian style hot dogs where they put they put the French fries in it. They like they load it up with anything you want, and it's it's chef's kiss. It's everything you need. I, I believe it's called F and N, but I think they changed their name. So I'll have to get back to you on that one. But if you search up FNN Marketplace, it will still pop up. So that's that's the spot. That's in West Orange as well. And that's, yeah. I might, I might have to do some of this for the tailgate. So definitely. For, for <laughs> down the road. Definitely. <laughs> All right. So you've, you've been in Fort Collins for a few months. Where, where's your go-to places uh, in the fort? My go-to places out here, uh, I know there's a spot called the Taco Stop. It's a little further, like it's on the edge of like Fort Collins and, and Loveland, I think. Man, that spot is crazy. They got tacos, got everything. They got the little um, the French fry uh, nachos. It's 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 they got it. And like more on a local level, you know, I go to the, I love Chiba Hut. You know, I'm a big sandwich guy, so I like that. I like how the garlic the garlic bread they put on it. I'm gonna see if there's any um in the Cajun. I forget what it's called. Occasion something. I don't know. It's this Cajun place. They have a lot of, you know, shrimp, fish, and stuff like that, which is like, they got this little salsa they put on it. You know, it's it's crazy. So, yeah. I love it. Love hearing that, man. Love yes, it. Sir. Well, we'll ask you more about food and the next time you're on, and uh, we'll get deeper into that. And uh, you really enjoyed this, buddy. Really appreciate you you coming on with us and uh, taking time out of your busy day. And and uh, love getting to know you and and everything you've done so far for us. So we appreciate you. Definitely appreciate you. Good yeah, luck this I look weekend. I'll be I'll be in Washington this week for the game. So yes, sir. I'll be I'll Let's be there. Turn you on, man. Let's get it. Go again, bud. Yep. All right. Yep. All right, you guys. All right, that was C.J. Aniechi, such a well-spoken, good guy, heck of a player. Really enjoyed that. That'll do it for today's show. Michael, you have a good trip to Pullman. Can't wait to hear about it. We'll talk about it next week. And uh, for Mike Rowe, C.J. Aniechi, and myself, thanks for listening. Have a good rest of the week. And go Rams. Go Rams.